0: Ask the Coaches Podcast. We did this type of format back in episode 101, and it's a little bit different than all of the other previous podcast episodes that we've done. This is more, we asked you guys for questions on our Instagram page, and then we picked from there a few questions, and then we kind of shut it down. So we're answering all the questions we got on Instagram. We left that up for about an hour. Um, and so we're just going to kind of bounce around from these different questions instead of focusing on one topic like we normally do on our weekly podcast episodes but it's nice to kind of mix these things up because we really like to help people with their specific questions and if there's ever any questions that you want to have covered in this type of podcast episode feel free to reach out via email at info at runforprs.co or you can just follow us on Instagram and send us a message there and we will write down these topics for the next time we do episodes like this. So we might sprinkle these in once a month or so because they are really fun and we do like to answer your questions in a more lengthy format rather than just sending you a message on social media or in an email. So the questions that we have today are what is the difference between running a race versus really racing a race? Um, The next one we have is how much more, how, how much running can you replace with cross training? And what is the minimum amount of running that you need to do? And the next one is about kind of juggling training with your life. They want to know, how do we help athletes manage training um, with their home and work schedule? This person in particular is a firefighter and he works a 24-hour shift um, somewhat regularly. So he wants to know how he can train with that sort of schedule because he's a little bit exhausted trying to run 50 miles a week. Um, And then the next question is, is there a such thing as an unattainable goal uh, based on time, location, etc., And we'll go into kind of setting those attainable goals and what that really means in this podcast. So I have with me today, Jason, who has over a decade of run coaching experience. He's been running himself for almost 25 years of his life. And we are about to kick things off by answering this first question, which is, What is the difference between running a race and racing a race? So Jason, is there an example that you can kind of share with the audience? Because I know there have been many times where you've signed up for a race and you've done it more as a workout or you just ran it um, versus an all-out race.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think back to the last like probably five or six years and I, I have to say I probably showed up to races more just to run them as opposed to racing them. Whereas back in my younger days of being like around college age or just freshly out of college, I would show up thinking I would have to race every single race. And so, um, it's kind of changed my perspective over the years. Um, but personally, I think there's a lot of factors that play into the decision of whether you are going to, um, race, um, race, uh, the run, or if you're going to just kind of treat it like a, maybe a hard workout or a progression or try to get something out of it. And that's what it boils down to for me is, um, what do I have, uh, I'm on the calendar in the near future that is maybe an A goal for myself. And so, um, if I don't really have anything, then it could sway my decision one way or the other. The other thing would be recent training. So looking at, um, how, how prepared I felt going into that race. And so, um, I think it really just depends on kind of your path, the journey that you're on. Um, do you feel confident in running a certain time? All of these things are going to factor into you deciding, um, how hard you want to push and run the race.
0: Yeah. There's so many factors that go into this. And like you said, every race has a purpose in your training. And a lot of the times, um, you know, we can have FOMO when we see our friends doing races and we, I see a lot of athletes sometimes have the tendency to want to sign up for like a lot of races in a training cycle, which is totally fine. But we do have to remember that we can't be racing every single weekend and running to our potential and asking our body to test fitness um, every two weeks or even three weeks would be unreasonable for someone who is, you know, in a longer training cycle and has a um, a goal for their way. So you don't want to be racing year round like every, every week or every two weeks or even once a month is a little bit much. So you want to make sure that you're allowing time for training. Uh, but that being said, I do know that it is exciting and they are fun to sign up for. And so there are different ways that you can approach these races. And I think what you were speaking to is you're someone who during the summer months in Minnesota, we like to do races. And so we will sometimes do them every two weeks, every four weeks. Um, it just really depends on what month it is and what races are going on. But in that sort of situation, like you said, if you try to really race those as all like all out 100% effort every time, you would end up burnt out or injured sort of situation. So what you do instead is um, go into the race, maybe with a different mindset of, okay, I'm going to use this one more as a workout, right? And so that's where you might hear some people say, um, I'm using this race as a workout. So it's not that you're not pushing it and that you're not trying. It's just that you're not going to go 100% into the well, to just totally crush it and lay it all on the line, you're more just okay. It's like a tempo, um, maybe a little bit more effort than a tempo, and just kind of going to be competitive there, but not with the intention of completely destroying yourself on race day. Um, and then there's also the other the other thing that you can do when you go to a race is, you know, pacing someone, right? So there have been times where I have paced someone. I know that you ran with me for a couple of. Um, marathons or half marathons that we did several years ago so it's more just running alongside someone and I know you've done that for grandma's half marathon a few times just because you're up there you want to be with the the environment but you aren't necessarily in either in shape to do the race or you just don't even want to attempt to because maybe you want to run with a friend or whatever it may be so talk to me a little bit about how you decide whether or not um you're even going to try to use the race as a workout like a hard effort versus totally just taking it easy um and not really trying
1: yeah really good question and for me the it's a multifaceted question because um i've showed up to races before um, where I'm not really in that good of shape at all, I'm, I'm nowhere near PR, but I still decide I really want to race and push it and see just what I can do on that day. And I think it, it boils down to the recent training, um, how that has gone um, in terms of consistency and in terms of being healthy and have I been able to kind of just squeak out a few workouts here and there? Um, there's other times, like you mentioned, where I decided to just to tone it back. Like up at Grandma's, a few years I've ran the half a little bit slower. And I think for me, the longer the distance, it's a little bit easier to make that decision like, hey, I'm not going to race it. I'm going to go into it with a different uh, approach today. Maybe just enjoy the the experience of running. Um, And maybe I'm going to help pay somebody or I want to run like a negative split or run very even splits, whatever it is. So I'm kind of thinking in my mind what I want to get out of the workout or the race and then, um, you know, do it. And another thing that comes to mind is a 5k that's in May every year. I've probably done it like, I don't know, seven of the last 10 years. And so my times have been all over the board, right? Like probably within a 90 second range for a 5k. And so it really depends on just the shape that I'm in going into the race, um, And I'll usually race that one all out pretty much, Uh, but that might look different from year to year. And sometimes you go into a race with different uh, priorities, right? Like sometimes you might try to go out hard on pace and try to hold on. Other times you might try to run a a really good negative split. Um, I've even done races where I don't look at the watch at all and I'm just kind of competing and I want to be competitive up there near the front of the pack. Um, Or maybe it's just working on the mental toughness, you know, and so these are some of the things to think about when you um, start looking at your race calendar and figure out why does you want to do these races.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think there's maybe like the three categories, right? Where there's that I'm all in, I'm racing this 100%. And then there's that terminology of oh, I'm using this as a workout. And then there is that third category where it's like you're either pacing a friend, you're running with a friend, um, or right. you. it's just so below like your potential ability level where you're just... Um, kind of in just involved in the atmosphere. And most of the time people are you know going to know which one they fall into, but what I find um in the running world that people tend to do and I definitely have done this is where you're in that middle category and you're saying I'm going to use this race as a workout or oh it's a workout. But then you go into the race and you're actually you are actually racing, so you are actually pushing it, but because you're not in um, like PR shape or you're not in like the shape you wanna be, you kind of use that as an excuse. And so that's why I think that middle category can sometimes be confusing because people will label um, an actual race effort as, oh, it was just a workout um, if they don't really like their performance. And I've definitely done this and I know other people have as well. So I'm, I'm guilty of doing this. Um, because even just last weekend I ran a 5k and I only ran like, I don't even know, like 15 seconds per mile faster than I did a half marathon a couple weeks before. And I was really tempted to just be like, oh, it was a workout. But like at the end of the day, I was, you know, pushing it. It wasn't like I didn't exude effort. So I would say it was a race, um, all things considered. But when we're talking about, you know, doing it as a workout, Where I see a lot of people do this and do it right is maybe you're pacing someone um, in a race that's a little bit slower than you, Um, or maybe you signed up for a half marathon, you're doing like a three, four mile warm up, and then you're going to do this half marathon at marathon pace. And you're actually going to stick to that as your um, goal for the race, because the best workout you can do for a marathon is actually to do a medium distance race, like a 10 mile um, to half marathon at marathon race pace, because you get to practice the water stops. You get to practice being in a racing environment. And so in that case, obviously, if you're only running 10 or 13 miles and you're going at marathon pace, that is the definition of a workout. And so you're not actually racing in that case. So I think that um, the true cases where someone is just taking a race as a workout are um, far and few between compared to, I think, what, what People claim, you know. So, um, in terms of that, there's also other things to look at, right? So I talked about how last weekend I did this 5k. Um, I didn't really run that fast of a time. I, I wanted to, you know, claim, oh, it was a workout. But here's the thing that is really important with this racing versus running a race. Not every race is going to be an A race, right? So if you're in the middle of a marathon training cycle, which I am. Um, you're gonna wanna view things as like, is it an A race, is it a B race, or is it a C race, right? So what I would consider um, in a marathon training cycle, let's say, if you are training for a marathon, your A race is probably gonna be that marathon, right? So that is what you care about the most. That is the most important performance to you. So everything that you're doing is leading up to that one day, that one race. Um, So it sounds like a lot of pressure, but really it's just your whole training is so that you can get in the best shape possible for the marathon. So that's your A race. Then you might have a B race within here, which is going to look something like you're getting closer to the race day, so you're getting fit, um, and maybe you just want to see in a longer distance race because we are still focused on that longer distance – what is my aerobic potential, right? So you might do a 10K, you might do a half marathon um, within that training block for the marathon training cycle. And during that race, you might even do a little taper. So you might have a cutback week, it's not gonna be huge, but the idea is that you wanna get a really good performance um, out of that race. And then within that marathon training cycle, you you have your A race, you have your B race, there are these things called like sea races that I let athletes kind of do, or I, I will sprinkle in myself. And those might be you know a 5K kind of at the beginning of your cycle, or just like a random tune-up race um, in the middle of your cycle, right? So it's just a 5K or a 10K here or there, um, or it might be like a half marathon at uh, marathon pace. There's just little things that you're gonna sprinkle. And going into those races, we're not gonna do cuts to mileage. And the purpose of doing those races is not to set a PR or to run to your 100% full c- potential um, because we're still focusing on that end goal. So. You may have races sprinkled in your training cycle, but they probably aren't gonna be A races. And so the idea of a marathon training cycle is there's compilation of all of the work that leads to one day. And so any races that you're doing within that training cycle, you may not have A performances and that's totally fine. Um, and if it makes you feel better, you can say you used it more as a workout, right? Cause there is some truth to that. Like you went into the race thinking you know, this is more of a, a test run. It's not, you know, my A race. So you could even tell people, hey, this is like my C race or I'm doing this as more of like a hard workout um, sort of thing. So that's something that we see a lot. Uh, Jason, what do you think the ideal amount of racing within a marathon training cycle is?
1: Yeah, um, I think, you know, a lot of variable factors play into this. It, it depends on uh, how many weeks we have until your race. But if you're if you're talking traditional 16-week marathon, I think two races is ideal. Um, Three would be kind of the max, but I like what you said of finding maybe a half or a 10 mile, something that you can either test yourself or you work on like pacing. So maybe you might do it at marathon pace and then maybe one other like um, key B race where you're really gonna push it to your max, like 5K, 10K, whatever, just to kind of see, you know, see how you handle the discomfort.
0: Right, and I think for a lot of people, um, this topic is a little bit like more advanced, right? I think that people would talk about this, um, when I was maybe newer to the sport, like maybe five, seven years under my belt, but I didn't really quite understand. I, I thought that every time you kind of lined up to race, like you had to really push yourself and, and go all out. So even at a C race, you are really pushing yourself. So we don't want to say like, Oh, you know, you're not really trying, but it's just, your body isn't primed up for a, a performance on that day necessarily. Um, and another thing that is, Just a huge topic in and of itself, which I'm going to tread lightly on it, is the whole marathon or longer distance races, right? So covering 26.2 miles in and of itself is a huge accomplishment, right? And so it's called a marathon race. um, But for a lot of people who tow the start line really their goal is just to finish the race, right? Like they want to finish or they want to run at, you know, an easy pace or like the same pace they were doing 20 milers at, or, you know, most people who just start, I mean, they just want to finish. That's how I was with mine. I had a time goal in mind, but really the idea was I don't really care. I just want to physically get my body over 26.2 miles. And I think most people who line up at a marathon start line, that is really um, their goal. And so you have to really ask yourself, okay, is this more of a testing to see how far I can go? Just like endurance 100% just running the distance of 26.2 miles? Or are you lining up at the start line being like 26.2 miles, not really a big deal. It's more, I'm trying to run like this pace and like, I don't care at all if, you know. So you really have to think like a mind shift change there. And I do think that most people who line up at a marathon, their goal really is just to, to finish and, and they're willing to kind of run. And, and even if their race isn't going well, they're not going to like drop out. Whereas if you are an elite, right, you line up at the start line and you know, like these professional runners, elite runners like Galen Rupp, you know what you need to run that day, right? So you're out there racing, you're going all out. And if they have a day that's not going well or they can tell it's not um, working out, generally speaking, if you're a professional runner, like a Galen Rupp, I mean, they drop out of races because it's not about, can I finish for them? It's, I absolutely need to hit this time goal. And it's definitely not worth it to just pull back and finish 26.2 miles in that case. Um, and so I've been in situations similarly where like race isn't going well and, I really had like a specific time goal in mind and well, you know, like race is kind of over. So you just kind of like run it, run it in, right? So a marathon is very tricky to be able to race it and totally go like all in on. Um, And I think that's like the end goal for a lot of people. Like they wanna reach their potential in the marathon. They wanna, um, you know, you type in your, your 5k PR into a V-dot calculator. And it says you can run some crazy time that most, most people they're, you know, about 10 to 30 minutes off that time, maybe even more. And so the idea is that you inch closer and closer to that potential by getting better at racing, by getting more comfortable with those longer distance events. Um, so I guess, That's kind of my answer in terms of the longer distance stuff. And even with ultra marathons, I'm sure that that's a totally different um, beast too, in terms of racing. So Jason, do you have anything to add to, you know, running a marathon or ultra marathon versus racing a marathon um, and any experience there?
1: Um, yeah, I, I like what you said. I was very well said about how we're all trying to inch closer to our, our full potential. And it's difficult with those longer distances because we can't do as many of them knowing that it takes such a toll on our body. Right. And even you reference the elites and a lot of them will only do maybe one to two, maybe three max, um, really long races in a year. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we need to be, um, just be patient and understanding of how, of the big picture. And and I like what you said too about the experience that you get from doing these races. I think that's really the key. Um, you can get good experience running 5k, 10k, 10 miles, and that's going to help transfer into better experiences um, down the road for you in a half or a full marathon.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's all about what you enjoy and getting that experience under your belt. And it's not all about focusing on that end goal and just like, Hammering down on it, it's just more about getting that experience because it does take a lot of racing experience to kind of get to the level where you're like, "All right, twenty six point two miles. I think I'm gonna race and go as fast as I possibly can." Even um, I don't even feel like I'm really at a place where I'm willing to like go, you know, all in on a marathon. I, you know, it's tough, and that's after nineteen marathons, right? So. you know, it's just one of those things. It's a never ending pursuit. And I think that's maybe why marathons are so addicting to people. You want to continue to get better. So we'll hop on into the next question. With that being said, um, this question is about cross training. It says, how much running can you replace with cross training? And what is the minimum amount of running that you need to do? So this is one of those questions where it's like, uh, it depends, right? So, consistency is the most important thing with training and you can build a lot of aerobic endurance with cross training, like biking, swimming, elliptical. You can really build up your aerobic endurance, but what you're not going to get from swimming, biking, elliptical, all of those things is that pounding on your body, right? So you're, you're missing out on the actual mechanics that it takes to do running, right? So you often see Ironmans or half Ironman people who train for these events, they come back to running and they're actually faster. Or sometimes you see people who they're running less mileage and they're cross training a lot more and all of a sudden they're getting faster. Um, But really, so it's misleading to think that that was what caused them to get faster, really. So we have to think it's more of the compilation of a lot of things. It's not just the fact that, oh, you know, they were biking more, so they got faster at running. It doesn't really work like that. And there's so many moving pieces where someone who's doing an Ironman, they were maybe doing like 15 weeks straight of 15 hour a week training blocks. They were doing, you know, seven hour bike rides, five hour (laughs) bike rides every single weekend, and then running long after. So anytime you're building that aerobic endurance, I think it can translate over to running, but we just have to be careful with the event that we're training for specifically. So if you're training for a marathon or a half marathon, um, I always think that it's best to run as much mileage as your body can handle and improve from, right? So that's going to vary a lot from person to person. Uh, Most of the time, Uh, most athletes, it just, it depends so much and it's hard to really give a straight answer in terms of what's going to work for you, maybe isn't working for someone else. So you have to look at factors like, how many years have you been running? What do you perform best on given previous training cycles? And I think for a lot of years, athletes can kind of increase their mileage and then you're going to eventually get to a point where you can't really increase anymore and you have to try to utilize... Maybe other things like cross-training or just being um, more intentional about how uh, training is, is set up. But that being said, there's also cases where people just don't have a lot of time to train, right? So there's like time constraints of, you know, maybe they could handle more mileage. There's just so many factors going on here. But I would say most of the time, um, we can see runners maintain a pretty solid level of fitness off of 20 to 25 miles per week. You can still really maintain really good aerobic endurance, um, really good speed off of that 20 to 25 mile per week range. And so Jason, what is kind of your experience in this realm? Because I know that you work with a lot of runners who like to add in cross training, um, and what works in terms of, you know, what's the minimum amount of running that you would need to do to stay fit?
1: Yeah, great question. And like you said, it depends on the athlete's background and what their goals are and, you know, what are they really training for too? Um, because if they don't really have any like short-term race goals that they want to accomplish, then maybe they're just trying to overall improve their endurance with running. Um, And so really just a small consistent changes over time are going to be what yields those results. And so um, for a newer athlete who maybe they're not, they're at very low mileage, um, I might have them cross train um, two to three days a week. They may run three days a week and then they take a complete rest day. That could be an example. And so um, I think for other athletes, I have other athletes that are training pretty high. They're running like 40 miles a week or more and they like to add in one day a week just of biking just because they like the way it makes them feel and it gives them kind of an uh, another day of, um, you know, no impact. So they might be running five, six days a week. And so I think the, the answer is definitely variable, depending on the athlete, depending on what, what you're coming into, um, you know, this current phase of your training with in terms of mileage, consistency, um, and your experience with cross training, too, because we don't want to just add in all these new variables if you're not used to doing it.
0: Right. There are so many variables at play. And I love how you brought up, you know, if it's a beginner runner and same with if someone's coming back from an injury or if you know that you're injury prone or maybe you're you're getting a little older and maybe you know, when you were younger and you weren't a master's runner, you could handle 50 miles a week. But as you're getting older, you kind of notice changes in your body or you're noticing that you're not recovering as quickly in between easy runs. And so that's a time where you might explore, okay, maybe it's actually better to do some cross training so that I can rebound a little bit better and still be able to hit these quality sessions. So it's all about the consistency and making sure we're training specifically for the event. So we want to make sure we're covering our basis as in terms of, you know, do I, have a long enough long run? Um am I doing the quality workouts that I need to do? And then um filling in cross training like as needed from there. And then also depends on your goals, right? So if you're training for a 5K, you could get away with probably, you know, not not very much mileage, but if you're training for a longer distance event, um that's where you kind of need a little bit more of a base to get you through um those those long distances. So on to the next question. It says how do you help make Athletes manage their training so that it fits with their home and work life. So we believe that athlete-centered training is key. Your work and family life obviously come first. Um, We are all kind of recreational competitive runners. And so it's more of a hobby for most people listening, I am sure. Um, We do have one coach at Run for PRs who is a professional runner. But even then, I mean, I still think that her one of her higher priorities is, is working and family. Obviously, family comes before her training, but uh, it just is how can you make it work, right? So we have to figure out what is your schedule looking like? And so everyone's schedule is so different. And so as an athlete, I think reflecting on, you know, really asking yourself the questions of, how many days per week can I really commit to realistically given my work schedule? So everyone has a little bit of a different work schedule. I know we work with some doctors who are doing very long shifts on their feet and then like a 24 hour shift. I believe the person who asked this question is a firefighter. So again, like hard labor. Um, He mentioned a 24 hour shift that he's doing. And I know that just some jobs are more physically exhausting than others. And When I used to work as an accountant, um, I would sit on my desk, you know, sit in a desk for eight to 10 hour days, right? I didn't really move that much. And if I did, it was like for short walks. So I would say if you have a desk job, it's more of you're kind of getting the optimal recovery there between runs. So you're able to maybe run a little bit more than someone who is, say... Um, Jason, I know you used to be a physical education teacher. So you were on your feet for the majority of the day, moving equipment around um, and getting a lot of steps in. So whereas someone who works in accounting during the day, I maybe got 500 steps. You're maybe getting, you know, 10,000 steps. I'm not really sure. So can you kind of speak to how you personally framed up your training in those nine years where you were teaching Um, and trying to perform at a high level because that is when you really ran a lot of your fastest marathons, like your 246 and all of your half marathon PRs of, I know you ran one thirteen a couple times. So talk to us a little bit about how you can perform at a high level while you're standing on your feet for 10 hours a day.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it 's tough, you know, thinking back to those years it was it was a grind for sure, and I luckily a lot of a lot of those um, months, I would say probably three or four months a year, I was coaching, so i I could also try to sneak away or get my runs in with the athletes I was coaching at times um, for easy runs, but to get my own workouts in, my long runs in, yeah, it was tough to make it a priority. I think um, you know I, I had to have a variable schedule, i guess is what I would say. I never could follow like a straight um, training program just because of all of all of the random things that come up, you know, and, and um, so there were times where I had to shift a run to the morning or shift to the run after practice or later at night or move a workout um, or skip a workout. Um, Also just thinking about like um, scrapping a long run and getting a quality, like medium workout distance run in there instead. I thought that that could kind of benefit me knowing the type of runner that I was. Um, Obviously it depends again on your goals, what you're training for but I think being flexible is really key. Um, and so, yeah, I think just kind of rolling with it, doing what you can on a daily basis, not worrying too much about like falling off the bandwagon. I think that's key.
0: Yeah. And just thinking back, uh, cause I know that was a while ago now, but I do know that when you ran your 246 PR, so you were teaching all day and you are also in grad school. So that adds like a whole new dynamic. So you had to be like in the school building very early in the morning. And so you couldn't really get a run in um, early. And then you were going to night classes several days per week. So at that point, it's like there really wasn't a time for you to get your run in. And so most people would say, well, I can run, you know, three days a week. So, you know, that's out, right? But I what I remember, from those training cycles is that you try to get the most you could out of the days that you weren't working. So on the weekends, you're going to be doing maybe, you know, like more of a medium run, like eight, nine miler. And then you do like a long run too. And then you're taking Monday off and and maybe even Tuesday if you had class, right? So it's more about being flexible and really focusing, I think on the key workouts that you need to get done. So in any given week, really a runner has two quality workouts, right? And one of them's probably gonna be during the week at one point, and then there's gonna be one on a day where you're not working, right? So even people who don't have weekends, I'm sure there's still days off, you have. So you're gonna wanna focus on that, those two quality days, and then revolve everything else around that. So for you, I think it was, the weekends, you did your one long run, and then you spent, you know, part of the week recovering from that. And that was, sometimes that was just a solid rest day. Other times you were able to get out, I think for like a three, four, five, six miler, and you just really had to be flexible more so with those easy days, I think, than, um, with the workouts. So in terms of figuring out what day during your, your work week, um, how did you figure out like when you would do like the workouts during the week? Was it just on the day that was easiest for you? Did you play it by ear? What sort of thing worked well for you and your athletes?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, I had to be flexible from week to week. There were some weeks where I realized like, hey, this is really my only option to get it done because maybe we had conferences one night or we had to meet another night. And so get it done here. Other times I... I thought I was going to maybe wait till like a Thursday or Friday to do it and things opened up a little bit during the week. So maybe I decided to just get it in on a Wednesday and then that allowed me a little bit more flexibility the rest of the week. And so I think, like you said, building your training around um, the quality sessions and then just being flexible with when you can do your easy runs.
0: Yeah, definitely. It really depends on the schedule, like you said. But I think another thing that's really important to note is if you're kind of someone who's having these more crazy schedules, you work long hours on your feet, all of the above, you do have to be more flexible. But I think what comes with that is also lowering the expectations in terms of mileage at the end of the week. Because some weeks, you know, if you're having a 24-hour shift or you're having several overnight shifts, I work with a lot of nurses who will sometimes have like five, five week day, one day, one week, and then like three weeks, three days the next week. And so you really will have to be flexible. Like one week, they might only be running 20 miles. And then the other weeks where they only work three days a week, maybe they're up closer to 40. So sometimes it doesn't look like a traditional training plan where, you know, you're building it out and there's all these progressions and it follows all the rules. Sometimes we have to really bend the rules to make sure that we can get you the training that you need revolving around your work schedule because it is okay to kind of fluctuate your mileage like that Based on your work schedule. And it's worked really well for a lot of my athletes. Um, and I do just off the top of my head one person that I started working with like way long time ago. She was one of my first people who had these sort of schedules. She would just not run the day after um, like an overnight shift, right? So she would run before she'd go in for her overnight um, and really have like that exhausting day. And then the next day she would just sleep in. She wouldn't um, run at all. She wouldn't worry about running that next day. And that worked really well for her. Um, But everyone's going to find their own thing that works well for them. Some people maybe really would not want to run before their overnight shift. And I know some people that I follow on social media, they run after (laughs) their um, overnight shift because they're just like wired or whatever it may be. And everyone's different. So I think knowing what works for you and what um works within your schedule is really important and then just allowing um that communication flow with your coach to say hey you know I really after work like I'm totally exhausted it's not going to happen so I need to m- move things around on the schedule and that's really how we work with our athletes to kind of figure out when you have the most energy when is the best time that we should be recovering from these workouts? And then kind of throwing that whole idea of, oh, you know, I have to run 40, 50, whatever miles a week out the window. So someone like you who is running a 113 or a 246 um, marathon, it is, most people would probably think, oh, you know, you got to run like 70 miles a week to kind of hit those sort of times. But can you speak a little bit about the type of mileage that you were running when you when you ran those times? And... Did you ever think that that was like something that really held you back or what would have happened if you would have hyper focused and thought, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to try to hit 70, 60 miles a week?
1: Yeah, you know, and I know my schedule was never as crazy as people that work 24 hour shifts and stuff like that, rotating schedules, but um, I just try to stay like kind of consistent around like 40 to 45 miles a week. And so that meant if I had a great week of training or I was able to prioritize running a bit more, I might've hit somewhere in the fifties or even close to 60. Otherwise on down weeks or maybe other things happen with life, right? Um, You know, it might've been like 30 or even 25, but I didn't let that kind of derail. I just knew that each week would kind of be different. And I know it's harder for people who are working these long shifts because it's draining. Um, But just, um, you know, know that it takes what, two weeks probably of of not running to lose fitness. And so don't lose, um, don't be discouraged by having to take some time off if you go through sort of a rough patch. Um, Your body really just, it it recognizes stress as a whole. And so you can't expect to be running higher, you know, like you said, higher um, volume weeks of mileage during these weeks where you're extremely busy. And then if you're a parent or you have kids or you have other things that happen unexpectedly along on top of work, obviously running takes a uh, it gets pushed even further back. And so just be kind of patient, flexible and understanding, um, when it comes to this stuff. <laughs>
0: Yes. I think so often runners can have this black or white mindset. I'm definitely guilty of that where it's like, I have to run this. I have to, you know, hit this mileage. But like you were saying, the people who have these different schedules, they do have to be okay with, you know, one week it might be 20 and then the next week, maybe I'm able to do 35 because stress kind of varies from week to week or, you know, your schedule may vary from week to week. So your running schedule is going to reflect that. Right. Um, and I love how you brought up like the kids and the family thing. That's definitely going to have an impact on your training too. So if you're some Someone who has a history of running, and then you go and have kids. Well, you might not be able to run as many miles per week, maybe because you have a little bit more stress in your life. Your schedule is a little bit different, but that doesn't mean that you can't perform at a really high level. I know prior to having kids, my schedule was so set; like I was able to get my runs in. I've always had a desk job. Um, I was able to leave. Uh, work to go on lunch runs for over an hour. So it's like when, when you're comparing yourself to someone who has like these desk jobs in corporate America who can pretty much set their own schedule, it's really just not, it's not fair. Right. So if you have a a friend who maybe you're competitive with, right. And you're following on Strava and you're like, how does this guy, you know, how can he run 70 miles a week, but I can't even run 40. It's like, maybe he's sitting all day. Maybe he has a more flexible schedule. Right. So That's something to keep in mind, and then when you do bring kids into the picture or have major life changes, like maybe you have a career change, you're not going to be able to run the same mileage and feel the same way, so you might need to make adjustments there. I know prior to having kids, I could run a ton of mileage, um, and now it's like I really can't go much above 50 miles a week without being really, really drained from that, so the idea is that you want to do the amount of mileage that is stressing your body enough to... um, create results but also not towing you over the edge of to over and i think when people have really busy schedules they are more likely to sometimes fall into that over training gap because they're trying to run certain mileage or they're trying to train the way that they used to do when they were young or the way that someone else is training so it's all about finding those two quality sessions per week and really focusing on that and letting go a little bit of the expectations around the easy runs and that weekly mileage goal so hopefully that answered that question. That was a little, a little lengthy. Um, and then the next question that we're going to chat about is about goals. So is there a such thing as an unattainable goal um, based on time, location, etc.? So yes, definitely there is always a such thing as an unattainable goal. Goal. Um, You have to know what type of shape you're in going into the race. Um, I could go into a race this weekend, and you know, an unattainable goal would be something like me hoping to run a marathon at the same uh, pace that I just ran a 5k in. So it's just when the fitness isn't there, that's when I would say, okay, we can't go into the race like expecting miracles to happen. We have to look at, okay, What is your fitness? What did you do during the training cycle and all of that stuff? That being said, maybe before we dive into the specifics of this question, because it's very very broad and almost like an obvious answer, I want to make sure we're not missing something here. So an unattainable goal, this could be broader than what I'm thinking, right? It could be, can everyone run a BQ if you work? You know, can everyone make it to the Olympics if you work? So physiologically, I do think that there are limits to what people can do within the sport of running. I mean, obviously, if you look at Olympic athletes or people who go to the Olympic trials and all that stuff, those people are very competitive in the sport. And you look at like the top 20, top 15 people, and they're really at their limit. I mean, if you were to ask them, are you doing everything in your power to you know really do everything you can to be as fast as possible they're going to say yes and and there are just people that are better right i mean that's just how it is genetically some people are just going to be better and more gifted and where that kind of starts and stops like what is the potential right like what is the very limit of even an average person it's hard to really know that for sure but i do think a lot of our life circumstances are the things that limit us so lot of people have jobs they have families we aren't able to dedicate our entire life to training especially if we pick up running as an adult um, we're not professional athletes so to compare ourselves to people who are professional athletes and olympians or almost olympians would not be fair so it's more just asking yourself are you doing everything that you can um and and trying to like inch closer to your potential. But Jason, do you think, let's say someone doesn't have, you know, a job that's that demanding or like a family. I know there was someone that you worked with in the past who really wanted to like reach these really big goals. Um, maybe that's like like for a guy, a sub 15 minute 5K and you're 30 years old. And right now, maybe around 20 minutes. Is, is that... A such thing as an unattainable goal, or is it attainable? And really, like no BS, like what would it take to get there?
1: <laughs> wow, yeah. This there's some there's been some interesting ones over the years. You know, I've interacted with a lot of different runners, and for me, time is one big factor I'll look at. Like, how much time do we have to work with? Right. Like, if your goal is just to run a certain time at this upcoming race. Um, you know, there's not a lot we can do in the short term to change or adjust. So like you said, looking at wh- what does your fitness indicate based on previous workouts and that sort of thing. And if the goal is completely out of range, um, cause it's way too fast, then yeah, that's unattainable for you on that day. That doesn't mean that it is maybe a year from now. If you just keep up, keep up with the consistency, um, you know, and that drive, everything that you bring into the table every day. But, um, I, <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, some people are dreamers, right? They have these goals of running these insanely fast times. And like you said, there are some physiological kind of limits that we all have. Um, but I think a lot of it boils down to, uh, yeah, your background in the sport, how long you've been running. Um, we do see those rare cases where people kind of start running as an adult and they, they reach a pretty high level, right? Like they might OTQ in the marathon. Um, and so that sort of thing's, you know, it's fairly common for, for a few select people, but for a lot of us, like you said, just running as a hobby and it, there's all these other priorities right in our lives. And so I think a lot of us, we don't really reach our full potential in the sport, especially at those longer distance races. Um, but a good um, way to gauge it would be to, um, you know, run, run a 5k or something when you're fairly fit, see what your time is, see what kind of the race equivalent time would be for a longer race. And then have that kind of be your long-term goal to shoot for. And that should be somewhat attainable for you.
0: Yeah, and I never like to put limits on people because it's truly like we don't know what someone's potential is. I mean, you really don't. For the longest time before Kipchoge broke two hours in the marathon, people said it physically like wasn't possible. Before Roger Bannister broke five in the mile, people also broke four in the mile. Sorry. People said it was physically impossible. Um, But what we do know now is ever since like the four-minute mile barrier was broken, I mean, hasn't it been hundreds of people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, hundreds. I mean, people will do it in high school, Right. Uh, I mean,
1: college.
0: college, Okay. A lot of college college athletes, well, really good college athletes will break this barrier. So it's like you, once you break a barrier, it allows people to really understand okay, if this person can do it, so can I. And I think. When we limit ourselves mentally, that's when it's over for us, right? So I don't think that anyone should ever approach their training or their running as, you know, well, I have limits. And no, like you don't really. I mean, they're so they're so far. And what? how do you know what they are, right? Like, unless you are, you know, Kipchoge, which I bet if you asked him like, hey, what are your limits? He'd be like, I don't know. And so he's training like literally every day to figure out what those are. And so really the question is, to be curious and to be like, but I'm going to find out what they are. Like I'm going to reach, I think I'm going to try as hard as I can to see what I can do in my lifetime, right? So I think that's the better question to ask. Um, And just one person that's coming to mind, I coached three years ago. She came to me, she was like a 350 something marathoner. She'd ran several marathons. She'd done a few ultras. She was like, I really just want to be cute. You know, I really want to run. And at the time it was like a 335. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So in one training cycle, um, I think I worked with her for like six or eight months. She went from three fifty something to like three twenty-five, and I was like, wow, that's like a huge jump. Like you got a lot of potential. And then we worked together again. It was like another nine months. She got down to like a three oh five. And I was like, holy crap. And um from then I think a year later, she she was in like the two I f- I feel like she ran like two forty something. I don't know, two fifties. Um, but just recently she ran a 100 miler ultra marathon the usatf road championships and she won the race so she ran the same pace for 100 miles as she did for a marathon pr like three and a half years prior so i think that if you would have asked her three and a half years ago hey you know do you think you could ever run 100 miles as fast as like you just did a marathon the answer would have probably been like No, but here's the thing. She didn't focus on it like that. She was just like, I just wanna get faster. I wanna see what I can do. And I wanna have fun during the process. And so she's someone who's really process driven and just loves to um, figure out like what you can do within the sport and just go out there in the trails and enjoy it. And so when you focus so much on like, oh, you know what, I don't think that's possible it starts to limit what your body can do. Because if you do not believe that you can do something, your body physically will not allow you to do it. So it's really important to never have a limiting. mindset in terms of what your potential is but when it comes to you know race day obviously you know what shape you're in you know what workouts you did you know the kind of training that you had going into the race so it's really important to have like the proper pacing and the tools to set you up for success on race day so what i like to do is look at workouts look at your mileage look at all the training factors and know where you are on that day but also knowing that whatever you do on that day is not a determining factor for what you know, your future limits are or your potential in the sport. It's just one dot in time. And sometimes we just have to use each race as a practice, right? Um, uh, but there's a lot of things that impact race day performance, uh, your confidence in your mental game. So you really have to like be believing in yourself. You have to believe it's possible. Um, your racing experience. So the more experienced someone is at racing a distance, um, or the better they can pace themselves, they're probably going to perform, um, better. Then there's obviously nutrition, right? So if something's a little off or you didn't get optimal fueling, um, that could also be a factor. Your body and immune system and your health, right? So if you're going into a race and you're a little bit like injured or you know maybe you're starting to get sick, these are things that are really gonna impact your performance and that's kind of sometimes beyond your control in terms of getting sick or whatever. So sometimes we just have like bad days because of those things, um, your stress level, right? So maybe something really stressful is going on at work or at home or whatever it may be um, that's causing you to not be able to perform to your optimal ability on race day. And then there's things like the weather, um, the wind, how humid is it, all of those things are going to affect how your performance is on race day. Uh so Jason, do you have anything to add to this conversation of unattainable goals and maybe like setting race day goals?
1: yeah i think um you know you you wrote some notes down here and it made me think back to when i was in like my pr shape of uh for the 5k which was about 10 or 11 years ago now and you know i've gotten kind of close to that shape over the years um but for the last year i've kind of been pretty far away from it and so an example for me of like what an unattainable goal would be if i went out and did a 5k this weekend would be to to pr right because i'm i know i haven't done the training or the consistency to get me at that at that pace and and so um for me, I guess I would look at, um, setting an attainable goal. And that may look like having like ABC goals, right? Whereas like, Hey, this would be if everything, if I feel great, um, you know, this is basically the fastest I think I can do. And then Beagle would kind of be like, if, if I have a good day and, you know, things go well and then Seagull would be so on. And so that's, that's kind of how I would approach it. When you think about, as you're getting close to your, your race that you're going to be doing, um, I think we see the biggest uh, question would be, like you said, the people that want to be Q, right? And they have basically one training cycle to do it. And so they ask, is it, it do you think it's attainable? And that's the question I get the most. Um, again, it'll depend on the athlete and obviously what they're um coming into what was their kind of pre-marathon block training like and then also i always try to find out as much as i can about their training block during their last marathon where they ran you know whatever time it was and so for some athletes yeah you see it on social media right they take off 20 minutes and they be cute for other athletes it's a struggle um sometimes they they run around that same time or they might just get a couple minutes knocked down. It really just depends. Like all those factors you just went over, I think play a huge role into it. And those are the things we've got to focus on more than just the time, right? The time of running the BQ time isn't as important as looking at the confidence, your mental gain, your um, focusing on your pacing, your weaknesses, your nutrition, your strength, all of those other factors I, I think are gonna be the most important things to help you uh, make your dream become a reality
0: right and it's really important to remember that you really have to commit because it's one thing to say you know i really want to hit this goal but another thing that you know is your life kind of reflecting that and so one of the things that a lot of these people really hit their potential and and Crush their goals or whatever um, have in common is that they're doing like every little thing, like they're not skipping and they're doing like the nutrition part of things. They're getting enough sleep, they're strength training, they're doing mobility, they're not running through pain, they're seeing physical therapists if something flares up, they're getting, you know, massages, they're staying hydrated. Like there's just so many factors that come into play when it comes to training um, and like consistency. And so, really focusing on like the little things that you can do and realizing that over time they do make a difference and it will add up to something great. And so I always say it's not a matter of if you can do it, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So if you really commit to the process and to just really being curious about what is my potential in this sport and if I do every little thing to really reach that, then we will see you really kind of bloom into a new runner and I don't think we should focus on what our limits are because I think most people aren't even, you know, remotely close to their limits, myself included, right? And there's always things that I know that I could do within my own, you know, life that would enhance my training and things that I can work on and so i think anyone who says that they don't know what they can work on is being a little bit naive right it's not just about going out there and doing the training there's so many other things that that come into play and a lot of that can be you know your mindset or being you know open with yourself like maybe you know you're pushing it a little bit too much you're racing workouts or you're doing your easy runs a little bit too fast or you're not running on hills. I mean, there's just so many factors that someone could attack to um, continually grow. And I do think as athletes, sometimes we get stuck in these comfort zones, like myself included. I've been running for a really long time. And so I'll just kind of do what's comfortable for me. I'll do the routes that are comfortable, the distance that's comfortable. I don't really like to get outside my comfort zone. And I think that's why working with a coach can help you so much. And even myself, I like to have a coach for accountability if, to really say, hey, Victoria, I like to be challenged, right? Because if I'm left in my own, I just kind of do the comfort zone because running is really hard, right? So I do anything I can to kind of make it easier, like not do hard workouts or uh, kind of skip in long runs, that sort of thing. We're all We're all guilty of the things that you know, we have the tendency to do as a runner, but that's where a coach can really come into play and kind of like hold your hand through those hard times and be like, no, I know you can do this workout. And this is what I'm challenging you to do to really get to the next level. And when I do work with a coach or have a training plan specifically made for me, that's when I can really break out. And I really see a lot of athletes break out as well. So if that's something that you're interested in working with a coach, or even just seeing what a week trial of free training would look like for you, you can visit our website at www runforprs.com and fill out the form on our website. And again, that's just going to be a free seven day trial. So if you're just interested or curious as to what our training is like, we can do a free seven day trial, get all of your questions answered, get to know you as an athlete. And that's at www.runforprs.com. Fill out the form there. Hope to hear from you soon.